0: I don't know if it was mentioned or not, but Jesse, who Mike was referring to, is Joe and Nancy Thoman's daughter, uh, which is uh, a connection that really makes uh, their presence here special as well. Uh, Let's just pray for um, a season here. Lord Jesus, thank you for your promise to be with us always. Thank you for this uh, special day. Uh, where we recognize your design for how life, physical life, comes into place uh, uh, in this world through, uh, through a woman, through a mother. And we're all here as a product of that process, uh, but it ends up to be so much more and help us to without apology focus on it and at the same time recognize its implications for how your designs are always best and uh, how the gift of love is supreme and we pray that you would uh, help us to uh, receive your word that love always needs to win when it's your kind of love in christ's name we pray amen You know, uh, I want to begin with a story that a few decades ago when I was early on here a pastor, um, I did a service, and quite often during the cooler months of the year, I would wear a robe. Uh, Well, uh, this was summertime, but I still conducted the service with a robe because there was a family that had... A little one to be baptized uh, that Sunday that had requested it. So uh, I complied and did the service and went back. And if you know the facility at the back of the sanctuary on the far end of the building, there is a place where the pastor and his wife can stand and say hello to or greet everyone as they leave. And then there was a set of stairs that went right down out the front where the planter is out there now. So Sherry and I were positioned, and we were just cordially saying good day to everyone and thanking them for coming. And this one gentleman by the name of Holt Kaysen, who uh, was a Southern Baptist boy who uh, served in the Marines as as a lieutenant, uh, came up to me, and as we shook hands, as we often did, he said, hey... What's with the costume? <laughs> and uh, it was like, hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's the way he saw it. Well, for those of you that are visiting, uh, this may not look unusual, but I seldom grace the stage here with uh, this kind of a costume. Uh, but the reason I, there's a reason why I'm doing it today. It's because it's Mother's Day. And my mother is in the house. She'll be in the third service. And uh, you guys always win when I get dressed on Sunday morning, or almost always. Uh, I get dressed in a manner that sort of blends in a bit with where I see you coming from. Uh, But today I wanted to show up so that I looked like church the way she was accustomed to it. So now you know why I'm up here like this, uh, to honor my mom. Uh, I want to take some time today to just, and I almost could have used this as a, as a part of the title, to take some snapshots of... The relationship that Jesus had with his mother, or that she had with him, and and catch in those, uh, you know, uh, a sense of the blessings that comes through maternal influence and love. Uh, there, it's amazing how she journeys with him from beginning to end. And some of the simple messages that come through that experience. And some other places where Jesus experiences maternal love uh, without her. So here we go. Uh, The first one is the blessing of of tender care. There's a hymn that says, from our mother's arms, uh, bless us on our way. And in the, you know, we we read this scripture every Christmas season, you know. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You know, I I remember, as many of you do, perhaps uh, the first time you held a baby. Uh, For me... It was when I was about almost nine years old and my only sibling, sister Cheryl, was born. And i they still have a picture of me sitting on the couch like a wooden Indian, you know, holding this precious little gift. Uh, I need to say that it was awkward then. Uh, at the same time, uh, as we fast forward into... You know, our married life. One of the special moments uh, for me in life's journey was uh, on the on the birth of our first daughter, and it was in Central Baptist Hospital in Louisville, Kentucky. They literally had me chained. I'm not kidding you, chained and off in a there was a corridor across the chain where I couldn't get the sherry during labor or during delivery, which is so different than what many of you have experienced of late. But I just had to sit in the waiting room. I was like, this is your place. And they came to me and finally said, uh, you know, Mr. McBride, your daughter's been born and she and your wife are just outside here. Would you like to come and meet them? Huh? (laughs) So I'm up and I'm going over and... You know, how you never forget those times seeing that newborn baby nestled in my wife's arms, you know. Uh, uh, Actually, the hospital, at least back then, didn't have anything special to wrap them in. It was just a kind of a plain blanket. But uh, just looking into both of their eyes, realizing that a brand new relationship had been established, a brand new person was in the world. And I I just have to believe that some of you can connect with that. That was Mary's experience with Jesus. But, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. And I wanted to say really up front that I know that there are moms here that have lost children. I know that there are other women in the congregation who are hoping that they'll have that privilege. I know that there are some that uh, have had really rough, almost uh, negligent relationships as a child with a with a mom or a dad Uh, all those things are are operative in your minds out there I can't know you all or what you bring at the same time I remember uh, a special meeting that I had with a a young lady who worked in a convenience uh, gas station not long ago who uh, by providence she and I were the only ones in the store. You know, those places are in, out, in, out kind of thing. And there it was. It was just us. I went over, and I said, how She said, how are you? And I said, I'm okay. How are you? And she said, well, I'm feeling a little lonely. And I said, uh, yeah, it is a little different. And she said, well, you know, I've been lonely a, a, a lot in my life and i I believe it or not, I wasn't on a rush like uh, the Levite in the story I, I had I just took some time and listened and uh, to how her mom had abandoned her, she was raised by her grandparent, and it was uh, you know an interesting journey. She went through multiple foster uh, care homes, and then her face kind of lit up and she said but you know god was good to me at the age of 13 there god placed a woman in my life that loved me and and had her arms in, around me and her heart for me in a way that no one ever had done before and that that was the first time that she had experienced anything kindred to the tender care of maternal influence. And I just want you folks to know there's an assignment out there, perhaps for you uh, and me, to be on watch for people that have never experienced you know, tender care. Our Royal Family Kids Camp is a ministry for just that purpose. And there are little kids between the ages of five and el- 7 and-, and 11 that come and many of them are asking what Oliver asked, where is love? And it's a tremendous opportunity. And if you have a heart to be involved in something that has real significance, you know, call the church because it's a place where you can be, you know, a part of God's tender care for some young child that's been through multiple foster situations. The blessing of silent reflection is the other thing that comes almost immediately on the heels of this. And we look at this in the Christmas story. Remember how the shepherds raced in uh, after they'd been awakened in the field and they showed up? And and they were overwhelmed with the fact that what the angel said was right before their eyes. And they were just exuberant. And we read uh, Luke's, research on this and he says all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart you know treasure what what does it mean to treasure it it, it means to hold something that is of immense value that you realize God has given you something phenomenal in the, in the form of a, of a little baby. And that, you know, I have a picture of our daughter, our second daughter, Aaron and her firstborn, Nora, in my study. I was almost trying to get a hold of Quimby and figure out if there's a way to put it on the screen, but I don't, you don't need to see it on the screen. It's just a mother holding, you know, uh, her child, uh, I believe it was on a service of dedication that we conducted in the backyard of our home and eventually our home in Phoenix. Uh, Just a tender uh, bit of reflection that's so evident in that picture of a mother holding a treasure. But also for Mary, there was a pondering. I think every mom has to ponder what, what will this little boy what will this little girl become Uh, I think moms do that more than probably dads most of us need to be slapped up a a little bit to say come on think about the relationship that God is affording you with this son or this daughter moms do that not just when a baby is born so much as they do when kids get to be older you know Uh, we God's given us a treasure here. Don't miss it. But there's that sense of, for Mary at least, it was like, what could she have been imagining when she had been visited by an angel to say, and you'll give, uh, give birth to this child, and, and you're going to name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. I mean, she had to look at this little package and think, what, what? Where is this going to go? And we'll get to the end of the story. I think the Magnificat uh, in Luke suggests that somehow she had she began to get the big picture already. But then, in the life of Jesus, we find uh, his mother Mary uh, giving the blessing of genuine concern. You remember that they went to Jerusalem as a family uh, and on their way home, three days later, they, what happened? Where's Jesus? Now, can you imagine that? I mean, talk about a different world. You know, if your kid is missing for three minutes in the mall, you're in a state of panic, you know, three days safe culture, environment, uh, but then it hits them. And so they go back and they start going on search and, and then they find him. And we read in Luke 2:48 when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I think it was on a, a major network this past week. I don't think it was on FLN, uh, which is a local Christian radio station for s- some that might not be familiar with it. Uh, <clears throat> Kevin Lehman was on, and he said every child needs two vitamins. Vitamin E, standing for encouragement, and vitamin N, standing for No. And that, uh, you know, I just think of how moms are invested. I remember Stephanie saying one time to, uh, our, to Sherry and her m- hovering motherly uh, concern, Mom, you try too hard. You know, some of you out there have probably gotten a similar message. Uh, but, you know, the encouragement is, is something out of the ordinary. Uh, where you just realize that, you know, sometimes your children are caught in kind of a bullying episode at school or they can't get into the clique that they think they ought to get into or when they get into boy-girl relationships, uh, things get confusing and, and, you know, you just, as, as a mom, you're trying to be there to do the best you can to help uh, find a way. But sometimes kids don't just uh, get sad. They... Uh, They can make you mad because they make some dumb decisions. And uh, you have to call them out, you know, and tell them that, uh, you know, certain things are out of bounds. Uh, And I don't know about you, but my parents weren't looking for me when I was 12, but when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, they wondered where I was and what I was doing, and they did their best to communicate, you know, the fact uh, that I remember the counsel of one of uh, the families in this church, and maybe it was my father-in-law that uh, instituted that, but nothing good happens after midnight. You've heard that one? You know, it's just, uh, there's a sense in which, you know, we need to hear no, and And God knows that we need encouragement and we also need, you know, to hear no uh, along life's journey. It's just a reality. I often think that sometimes as parents and as as moms, you can't give the encouragement. You know, I I know that uh, when our daughter Stephanie was fighting for her life through an eating disorder, we couldn't reach her. You know, I'm sure for different reasons, some of you have had children that you just couldn't reach in the way that you wanted to. And I remember Sherry. uh, Occasionally, I'd wake up and hear a noise in the other bedroom, and she'd left because she was carrying a. uh, She was concerned about not waking me up, but she had a heart, and she was in the other room with a Bible on her chest. I found her one night just singing. You know I'm praying you know for her treasure that was in harm's way and I think sometimes the most important encouragement that we can give as parents is to pray that the the Lord who loves our children even more than we do will minister encouragement and then if we can shift out of the mode Jesus mother wasn't always following him around and see if everything was going okay he was he was on a mission, and there was a sense in which, uh, you know, we see him being ministered to through a maternal influence in different settings. One that comes to mind is Mary and Martha, and I know <clears throat> Martha kind of gets thrown under the bus sometimes because she didn't choose what was best, but it was her house, and she was just trying to be hospitable. And sometimes doing things uh, that you know are... You know, hey, most of us guys will admit that one of the ways you can love us is by giving us good food. You know, it's just a reality. I remember running home from elementary school when we lived in our little village of Silver Springs when my mom told me we were going to have French toast. I couldn't wait to get home. I mean, I was, I was on a sprint, you know, because I knew she cared for me because she was serving me in that capacity. Uh, But you know there's Mary tells us too what I think a lot of moms do and I'll tell you what a godly mother you know has, has been a gift to many of us in this room and a mom that models how to attend to the word of God as Martha did when she was listening to Jesus is a high trump card in life, and that we see something, you know, remarkable going on there where, you know, there's serving and there's listening and and searching for what God has to say. And then, you know, I, I think about the experience that Jesus had. He was at the house of called Simon the leper. He may have been a leper that was healed. Uh, don't know that, but... They had the church council, uh, the chief priests and all those people there, and the disciples were there, and Jesus was there, and there had to be a a dimension of contention in the room, and I don't know whether it was the council of heaven that says, uh, we need a woman down there. (laughs) But in the midst of, I think, a growing apprehension of what he was facing, you know, Jesus, Jesus was the recipient of some remarkable tender care when this woman came in and, and literally anointed him with uh, priceless perfume as a demonstration of her love. And I don't know about you, I've never been anointed with perfume, but there are times that you just need to have somebody come in and just sort of extraordinarily give you a blessing and it, it may not come through your mom, it may be, come through a best friend a good friend that may come through, some other other women that are just positioned in your life. There have been times that women on our church staff have been a, a channel of blessing to me in a, in a in a maternal sense. Uh, it's it's a real dimension of life. But now we get into some uh, something pretty heavy here called, you know, the blessing of shared grief. And you know, you, you, like I said, you know, the mother of Jesus was there right through everything that her son went through. And in John 19, and he's the only one that could write it because he was the only one of the disciples that showed up. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Women. Probably we need to recognize the fact by this event that some of Jesus' most devoted followers were women. And in the ranks was the mother of Christ watching her son die on the cross at the hands of evil men. Now, most of you know, uh, I watched my mom experience uh, my sister's death at age 32 with ovarian cancer. Uh, I just want you to know that that was for her, you know, uh, one of, I would say, probably the most difficult experience in her life. When I was together with her uh, for dinner last night, there was just a moment, and she's pretty stalwart, but she just sort of said, you know, Mother's Day is really hard. And she teared up for just a little bit because she just wishes that someone was still there that isn't there. And I know some of you in this room have experienced that and it's it's really tough stuff. But see the see the depth of love. You know, we think of Jesus showing the full extent of his love on the cross and we'll get to there in a in a moment if you will, but We also see the full extent of a mother's love daring to uh, attend the crucifixion of her child, her treasure. But Mary Mary, the mother of Jesus, doesn't stop there. We have to kind of go fast forward here. As we know, the cross wasn't the end of the story. It was a victory over sin for all of us. Then came the resurrection that was a celebration that God can bring life out of death. And then for 40 days, uh, we have a 40-day period as it's uh, sort of described in, uh, or defined in the first chapter of Acts. And then Jesus' best day of all happens. He literally ascends to the Father uh, he goes home to the, the heaven that he left in order to be here to serve us on earth. And after that happened, we read that the disciples, and you can read the full list of their names, you know, uh, and, and the other devoted disciples went back to Jerusalem and we read in Acts 14, and they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. And you know, you just have to wonder what that kind of prayer time was like. You know, They'd experienced Jesus' loss, if you will, uh, on one occasion, and, and then his coming back. And they were told that as he left this world, he would return in similar fashion. But they were still on their own, if you will. It was interesting, uh, some of you know that Ben Gearing has established a ministry uh, in Jamestown and... and I thought about what confirmation as I listened to him end up a message that he gave last night. It was exactly what I had penned in for, you know, this service was that there was another episode in the life of Mary and Jesus that was not listed in what I've shared with you here. And I don't know, but what Mary may have said to the guys and the women that were gathered there, you need to remember something. And it was when Jesus gave the first sign that gave glory, you know, revealed his glory as to who he was. And it was at her impetus. Uh, You remember, it was at, at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And... What happened? They ran out of wine. I mean, keep in mind now, these Jewish families knew how to do it. I mean, we were talking about a, a brief reception. Uh, they had days that they were uh, celebrating, but no more wine. And, and she, so Mary went to Jesus and said they don't have any more wine. And his response was, woman, why do you involve me? My hour is not yet come. And I think you could put in behind that. At least I don't think it (laughs) has. But the mother looked at at the servants there and said, do whatever he tells you. And there were six stone jars that held between 20 and 30 gallons of water, but they were empty. They were used for ceremonial cleansing. They were empty, and so Jesus assessed the situation, and he said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So, didn't want to get in trouble with Mary, the mother, a Jewish mother, (laughs) so they filled the jars up. And then Jesus told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And so they did. What happened? Jesus turned the water into wine. He took something that was so ordinary and turned them into something extraordinary. And I think... Mary could have easily said to the crowd, not just through this story or many others, listen, you know, God will fill you with his grace and with his truth in a way that will give to your life a sense of, of joy and purpose. And, and, but you need him in your life. If you're feeling empty, ask, open your heart and ask him to come in and see how he turns what looks so ordinary into extraordinary. And then we remember that Jesus took this simple symbol of wine that, interestingly enough, were in the ceremonial uh, jars for cleansing. And he takes that same symbol on the night that he was betrayed and he, he said this This wine that that we look at is a new covenant in my blood shed for the, what? Forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. So when I look at Mary and I look at her journey with Jesus, you know, it began as a physical affection, but it ended up being so much more than that. It was a spiritual connection where she and her family and Jesus' closest followers became, you know, extraordinary as they allowed God to fill them with his grace. And I remember, uh, you've heard me say it before, uh, just a simple chorus that lingers with me In my years of ministry, it's a simple prayer, but one that I've prayed often, I offer it to you. It says, Lord, fill me with your grace that I may gracious be. Let my witness be a life that's lived for thee. Fill me with your power, what I don't have on my own. Fill me with your power so those around can see Jesus, only Jesus, his life revealed in me. And I'm I'm convinced that uh, Mary got it. I hope you get it. I hope our church gets it. And that we can be a people so full of grace and truth that we can be vital witnesses to the children that God gives to us to treasure and lead into a faith and to a community and to a world. But apart from him, we can do nothing. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for the journey that Mary, the mother of Jesus, took from moving from the realm of physical affection to spiritual awakening, where she joined the others to form a faith community that eventually would flood the world with an understanding of the grace and truth that you gave to her and to all who believe in Jesus. And so, Lord, we open ourselves up, vessels to be filled with grace as we have need, and all of us do, but what a rush it is when we allow you in for the first time and say, cleanse me, use me. And I pray that for each person in this room that they might say to you, cleanse me and use me. In your name I pray, amen.